Hey guys, it's Brianna Hodges and Lainey Rell. Welcome. How's it going? So today, without our typical commutes, routines, um, and the daily compartmentalization of work and home and activities, we are consuming record levels of information. Um, we've got news on all the time, media, our phones are buzzing with the latest alerts, and this barrage of information has really started to leave so many of us just completely awash with a tidal wave of emotions and questions of how do we respond, how do we process this, what does this look like? Yeah, and we've been talking about doing an episode on social-emotional learning for a while now, so it seems like this is this is the time to do that. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that and we'll, we'll do our best to give some of our experiences as parents and educators and how we're trying to navigate this. Um, but before we do, Bree, I'm gonna go ahead and jump in with my sweet and sour, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. It's, it's actually tied to the topic of this episode, the social emotional learning. And I feel like this is a struggle that parents have often, so I guess I'll start with my sour, and that is how, how strict or how lenient am I with my kids? And so I feel like this is something we're always like trying to do our very best. Like we don't want to be stifling and so strict, but we also have to teach them how to be good human beings. And we want to make sure that they're doing the right thing in the world. And so, I mean, excuse my language. I do not want to read. So I'm going to do my best. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I guess one thing that's happening with me right now with so much stuff going on, I, I honestly feel like I might be a little too lenient on them right now, but I'm not sure. I'm so worried about their emotional well-being that I'm kind of letting things slide. And I have to remind myself that that's actually not in the best interest of our kids because they like that structure and that's going to make them feel more secure. But honestly, it's something that I'm kind of really thinking about every single day. Like, what is the right thing to do? And again, this is not new to parenting. We're always struggling through this. Absolutely. And I think, I think it is. It's that moment where you start to process like all those things. Like, like for me, I'm hearing all the books, all the studies, all the things, right? Of like, okay, well, make sure that as a, as a, as a, as a male, that they feel that, that they're not repressing that emotion, that it is okay. You know, you don't want to turn them into these hard things, but, and, and I also am hearing like phrases run like a girl or all that stuff. So like the feminist in me is coming, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to like create, just like you were saying, you want, you, you want to raise good people. Like I want to raise good people. I don't, I don't, should I be investing in therapy at this point? Like, I don't want to, but at the same time, like you're trying to not screw your kids up either by all of these things. Like, are they playing too much Fortnite? Are they crying too much? Are they yeah. bullying somebody on the playground? Like it's all these things as parents that really helping them process and helping ourselves process the social emotional situations in order to know that there's not a right answer there's lots of wrong answers but how do we um how do how do we kind of hit somewhere in the center of some of that i know sometimes the word balance can be off-putting to people because maybe there's really no such thing yeah word we know that i don't like that word at all <laughs> so I, I it's not, and that's not the right word but i do feel like we are struggling like how I, I hear us both struggling, right? Like how, how strict are we? How loose are we? How, how, how much do we encourage? How much do we let be? Like, it's, it's hard. It's, it's just a constant battle. And I feel like once we 
start to feel like we figured out our kids change, right? Like it's, it, it's, it's a moving target and it's hard. <laughs> and it's hard for us. Like it's hard for us as as adults. And so then, and I struggle with balance. I struggle with that just for myself, right? Like with, with making that happen just for myself. And then I add in these other little people like, Oh my gosh, I can't, it's like, I feel like, okay, I can deal with screwing myself up. It's hard enough to, <laughs> to then deal with that too. So, so much pressure, so much um, uncertainty, but at the same time, really, really important work that needs to happen. Yeah, and I think as we move forward talking about social emotional learning, I think it's okay for us to talk about it not only in the classroom, but at home and what does that look like? And so I think, um, why don't we just dive into that? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Okay, so let's move into like what we call our tip section, right? Is that the worth the squeeze? Did I get the... <laughs> yes, yes. Our, our little play on words. Yes, the worth, worth the squeeze. Here we go. Yep, worth the squeeze. Here we go. All right. And by the way, Brie gets full credit for all of the wordplay because that is her strength. So thank you for that. So we a couple episodes, we um, we did the unpacking the now and we were really, we took a deep dive into kind of how we were all feeling about um, what school might look like in the fall. And for any of you who would like to turn this podcast into a drinking game, the word for that episode would be visceral because uh, I think we said it a number of times. And so it was, it truly was, it was a visceral reaction to the pictures and images that we were seeing of what it would look like potentially when we send our kids off to school. So one thing that Brie and I have talked about is that maybe this is an opportunity to really go into that SEL first and whole child and how do we really stay focused on that? Because this is um, a traumatic event. And now there's actually been multiple traumatic events that have been happening. So how do we, and, and earlier in that episode, I, I said something that was really weird. I said, I'm not, I'm not endorsing it. Yes, I actually love this model, but I'm not actually affiliated with ASCD. I want to make that clear. So I do like the whole child model. Again, that's healthy, safe, engaged, supported, and challenged. So I'm, I'm really trying to think through very carefully, what does this look like, not only at school, but at home? And I, um, I have two amazing co-authors for Evolving Learner, the book we just released. Sorry, shameless plug. That's terrible. We can edit that out because we don't really edit. I don't know what to do. Anyway, so <laughs> my co-author, Christy Andre, is a, an SEL just guru. She has so much to share. And I, I love a lot of the things that she shares with me. And I'll, I'll give one specific example. And that is the 525 breathing. And I... Brie, I'm sure you've heard of this, and I'm sure people who are listening have heard of different ways to do breathing. I love breathing strategies when, when, we're, when we're in a tough spot because you always have your breath with you, right? I love a calm jar. There's so many cool things out there, but in a pinch, you always have your breath with you. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a leap here, and do you want to do this with me, Brie? Should we do some 525 breathing? I always need to breathe. So yes, yes, yes. Because I cannot hold my breath and talk at the same time, I'm going to do, um, I'm just going to breathe in for five. I do this with my kids. Actually, this is not officially part of the five to five, but we do two claps for the hold for two. And then we slowly release for five. So if I said that too quickly, which I always talk too quickly, take it in for slow for five, count of five, and then I'm going to clap for two and then we'll release for five. So should we give it a try? 
All right. for it. I'm gonna support you with your claps. So that way we can do this together. So. Synchronized Zoom clapping. We're gonna go for this, okay, ready? So here we go. So the funny thing is we could not synchronize that. For those of you that are not watching this on IGTV or that you heard that and you're like, those were really weird claps. No, we did not synchronize that at all. And it was, that? was my thing. But, um, but the funny thing is, is that my husband was like, actually, I like that you added the two claps because it's kind of a distraction. And it's like, you're focusing so hard on that counting and the holding and the clapping. And it's kind of like really allowing that brain to calm down. And so, Again, I'm not an expert, but that 525 breathing that I learned from, um, from Christy, it's been super helpful to me and I've shared it with a lot of people and a lot of people have said that it actually helped them and that they've shared it with other people. So if you didn't already know about that, hopefully that helps and maybe you have some other breathing strategies that would help too. I, I, wanna, I wanna add to that, that I love that intentionality because I think so often with our, like we use that phrase a lot, right? Of like, just breathe, just breathe, you know, or take a breath or, you know, whatever that case is. And so I think that adding that intentionality of we are actively using this practice to calm ourselves down, especially with kids is really, really important for them to, you know, kind of going back to that, that narrative parenting of like, this is why we're doing this. This is, we're trying, we're, we're modeling and we're teaching our kids to activate, um, certain parts of their body and their brain in order to, to truly regulate that emotional response. And I think that that is really, really important. Um, so I don't want to, um, I, lo I love that you added, added that because I think that having that, that sound as well as that, you know, inclusion of movement um, really helps kids keep in mind what it is that they're, they're doing. One of the things that, that we um, started last year with my daughter was um, she was having a, a really hard time. We, she was born really, really small. She wasn't premature, but she was teeny tiny. She was barely five pounds. We lost to under five. And, um, and, and so when she was small, we always called her, uh, she had, she had what I called like the incredible Hulk response. Like she would go and get just like really, really angry. And then, um, then like, you know, after time kind of passed, it was almost like that Bruce Banner moment where it was like, what happened? Like I, it was all truly like out of body kind of experience for her in ways. And so, um, she's always had a little bit of that. And then, um, last year it escalated some. And so I really was searching desperately for how can I help her process this? Because when she gets emotionally beside herself, she really, truly just like it's almost a complete disconnect. And so one of the things that I found, and I found this on Amazon, we can share them in the, sh in the show notes. I get nothing, like I'm not, again, not affiliate. Not, I don't get anything from this, but it were, it was these, um, they're social emotional, like mindfulness cards is what they're called. They're called mindfulness cards. And it was a deck of cards. And um, there's many, there's five different categories. And some of them were meant for like relaxation. Some of them were meant for, um, you know, getting after wiggles kind of thing and, and stuff like that. But one of the ones that I, I loved around breathing was um, to lay on the floor and we don't, we're not going to we're not going to do this because we'd have to like move our cameras around or whatever, but to lay on the floor. And I always did this with my daughter, um, lay on the floor and put your hands on your tummy. And then, um, and, and so you breathe 
for five counts with your tummy um, and to, for, him, for them to, to see that their tummy is moving. And then you grab a, um, a stuffed animal and you put the stuffed animal on your tummy and you let them envision a wave and that this is the tummy like coming out and the wave, you know, that the, um, the, 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 the stuffed animal rises and, and then drops with the waves. And so you talk about like how these waves of emotion come over us and then they also leave us. And so I, that was such a beautiful um, way for my kids to, to really process that. Um, it was funny because it started with my daughter and then my son would come in and we would do these. These were like the last few things that we would do before bed every night. So my son would come in and join us and the three of us would sit in there and we would, you know, do, um, do some different mindfulness techniques. But um, yeah, the, the breathing piece becomes so, so, so important. And um, I think that that is, like, I love what you said. It goes with us where we are and um, something that we don't have to make a big deal out of. You don't have to carry a teddy bear around to put on your tummy. You could just take a breath. Um, you don't even have to clap if you don't want to, but just reminding yourself of that time. Yeah. And I, I think we, we, we need to get that, that calm state before we can t even talk about our feelings. Right. Because like, you don't want to go to a child having a, like a fit and be like, what's wrong with you? Like, that's not going to go well. It doesn't mean I haven't done it before, by the way. <laughs> it just means I've reflected and gone, well, that's not good. This child is in a, a, a very raw response and this is how their brain is reacting and they're not going to give me what I want right now. I need to get them calmer. And so once we do that, then we can actually start to talk about those emotions. And I, I, I think you even said it on this recording, right? Like it's not that the emotions are bad and we're always trying to move away from them. Sometimes we need to sit in them and that's perfectly fine. And other times we do want to move out of something. Maybe, especially if we've been in, a, in something too long, like, right, that's what we don't want is we don't want that sustained sadness. Like it's okay to be sad. We just don't want to be sad all the time. And so to really be able to, I love how you, you said the narrative parenting, like the, the modeling that regulating of emotions and talking through when it's happening to you. And this is something that has been one of the benefits of quarantine is that I've been able to do this more and I'm not perfect at it. I forget to do it all the time, but I do have more opportunities to remember. And instead of in my head thinking about like, why am I so upset by this? Like I'm actually trying to talk it out in front of my kids. And so I think that that can be a really, really helpful strategy. I, I love that because I do, I do think, you know, it is important to say these things that negative things are going to happen. We're going to fall down. Somebody's going to say something that we, um, that hurts our feelings, that, that is offensive to us, that they're going to tell us news that we didn't want to hear. We're going to lose a loved one. We're, something is going to happen. And it, but and, and then it will be a traumatic experience of, of, of some degree, right? Even my, my daughter fell on the rocks two days ago and split her knee like wide open. And, and it was very painful. That said, the pain passes at a certain point and then our response to it become, it kind of has to also, you know, de-escalate, right? And so I think that it's like, we can't be in crisis at all times and our response can't be at that heightened level at all times. And so it's really important that we model that for our, for our kids and, and that we also honor for uh, all ages of what it means to pause and, and let you experience that emotion because no one can dictate your emotions to you. You know, I mean, I know that I've 
I have certainly told my kids so many times, I'm like, it's not that bad. And that's really not fair of me. It's not fair of me to tell them what to feel or tell them how to feel um, or to judge them for what they feel. But at the same time, I have to remind myself that I need to say out out loud what I really mean by processing those. Because again, I keep coming back to that. We're showing them what to do. They don't know. They don't, they, they're experiencing these feelings for the first time, or they're unsure of how to handle this. And they're looking to us to, to process that for them. And then we've got to, again, carry that through to adults, right? Like, one of the big things that we're seeing handling, you know, this time at home all of the time without having these outlets, this barrage of information, like we were saying, you know, seeing these, um, these, these videos that we're, that we're exposed to and that our kids are exposed to and all of this stuff, we have to process that. We have to allow others to process that. We have to let and honor that experience and then process what it looks like moving forward. Yeah. I want to share a couple, a couple things that, that have kind of like been on my mind a lot, of course, recently. So I, I've, I've probably mentioned his name on here before, Mark Brackett from the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. I think y'all know he, that I'm a fan. Um, Mark, I don't think you're listening, but if you happen to, I promise I'm not stalking you. I just really, I really do like your work. <laughs> but I, I love, he, he will say you have to name it to tame it. And his group and the mood meter that they've created is really, really cool. It's something that our family uses. So it's, you know, you pull it up and you've got the quadrants and I won't take the time to explain it all right here, but it is a really good tool for deciding where you land as far as like your energy level, your happiness level. And it, it basically has that, um, laid out so that you can kind of identify where you're feeling right now. And then again, you're going to decide like, do, am I sitting in this? Am I staying on this? Am I happy in this? Or not even happy is not necessarily the right word. Is this, is this fine for now? Or do I want to try and shift it? And then it actually gives you strategies for how you could potentially shift it. So I think that's a really cool tool. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, and then I do want to, because we are educators and I want to talk about, I think everything we've shared is applicable in the classroom, but I do want to share that the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence also has a program called Inspired Ed. And so just Inspire ED at the end. And that's a really cool program because that's student led. And I know that we've talked on here before, Bree, about like we want um, to empower our students. And so I love that this program actually focuses on having kids be the advocate for social emotional learning, not just the adults. And so I think there's some really beautiful things that can happen there. And especially because we, we really want social emotional learning for kids and adults. And I think that that is a really nice thing when we can all come together to work on that together. And so I think that's something to, to look at. Yeah, I love that. And I, I want to say that um, I'll be the first to admit that I am not an expert in SEL. Um, I don't profess to be by any stretch of the imagination. And I will also be the first to admit that um, when I started hearing um, SEL and social emotional learning as kind of conversations and phrases that were um, that were really starting to come out through education, that um, the first thing that kind of popped up into my mind was a lot of this like holistic. I mean, like you can already tell, like, like I'm, I'm I'm assuming the yoga pose, right? And I think that that is a um, that was certainly a a misnomer on my end. That was a, a complete misunderstanding of what it is on my end. And I think it's something that that really we all um, 
have a challenge against in the classroom. Like it, it, was, it was seen as that add-on, right? Of like the, okay, I don't have time to do social emotional learning because I'm teaching grammar right now. And whenever I get through all of that, then I'll come back to it. And um, it took a little bit of time before I started realizing the more that I read, the more that I started engaging in some really great conversations with educators like you and, and, and so many other people about what this really is, that it was that, oh my gosh, this is how, this is how to be a person. Like this is how to be a human, like social emotional learning is how do you as an individual respond to the stimulus and to the information and to the stress that is all around you, both good and, and, you know, both positive and negative. And it has a place in everything that we do, right? Like how do we, um, you know, the hang, the hangry term, like I can tell you, like I get hangry, everybody out there. If you've ever spent some time with me, that's more than a couple meals. Like I get, I have, um, I am hypoglycemic. I have a lot of sugar issues. And if I do not have, um, have food, then my frustration level, like is, it goes through the roof and I get really snappy and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so I had to learn how to handle that and how to, you know, start to, I couldn't just expect everybody else to, um, to, to, to make up for it, you know? And so I think that, reminding ourselves that every single person is going to have a different um, reaction to circumstances and that is completely okay being honorable of what those reactions are and then recognizing that we have a choice of how we react to other people's reactions as well like I, it just kind of keeps folding and so where where i'm at in all of this is we're certainly like 2020 has definitely pushed us to this um huge need for recognizing how important social emotional is within our situations. I mean, we've, we, all of the conversations that have happened after the quarantines and things like that were, you know, that was what was most important and what was missing most of, of school were those connections and those relationships. And so that's what needs to be at the forefront of this. And so, you know, how can we start those conversations? How do we start planning for those conversations, knowing that they're coming in the fall and really giving time to that, I think is really important for us to process. I, I so appreciate that. And I really, I want to, I think that's actually a pretty good note to end on, but I do want to just say that I love that you were able to identify kind of what's happening that, that puts you in that, I hangry, by the way, hangry is me. Oh my gosh. Uh, anyone in my family can tell you like, they're going to run for the hills if I look like I'm too hungry. It is not a good situation. But that reminded me of another um, another person that I'm learning from uh, trying to be better about understanding how to regulate emotions and things like that. So um, his name's Jay Shetty, and he is a monk, former monk turned storyteller, which is like pretty much the best job title anyone could ever have in the world. Um, and he has a strategy called Spot, Stop, and Swap. And so that's basically what you're doing, right? Like you're reframing the negative thoughts because in this simple method, method um, you're spotting what's happening and you're stopping, you're taking a moment to process it and then you're trying to swap it out. And so, I, and I'm not doing the mood meter or spot, stop, swap justice, but we can put some resources and we'll put some links in the show notes for people who want to take a look at that. But there are strategies and I do think you know, Brie, you said like, you know, when, S when SEL started, people started talking about it, we kind of all go, 
hmm. and like some of us feel like, well, we've already been doing this. And some of us feel like, is this really necessary? And, and, and wherever you landed on that, I think, again, like you said, 2020 is definitely the year that's like, all right, friends, it's time to pay attention. Um, and so I think that this is one of those, you know, again, we've never asked for this, this traumatic event to be happening, but this is one of those opportunities where hopefully we turn out better on the other side of this because of this. I mean, I think, I think it's, just sum it up by saying social emotional learning, right? We are social beings. That is what we are as human beings. There's no denying that whether you're an introvert or you're an extrovert are, we are social beings and we are emotional beings, regardless of, you know, again, how, you know, however, um, wherever you lie on that, on that, that, that range of high spirited or, or highly emotive or empathetic or empathetic or, or whatever the case is. But, um, we ha we are both of those things and it is crucial to our, um, to, to our, our development and it's crucial to our sense of belonging and it's crucial to our, our education to understand how that changes along the way um, and what circumstances cause that. And so, you know, again, I, I think looking at culturally responsive learning, look at uh, social emotional learning, I think that is encapsulated in a lot of that, um, that it's, it, to me, a very, very loose boiling of all of it is centering on the individual to make sure that your voice is recognized and heard and respected. And so how can we make sure that we're, we're putting that emphasis on that individual student centered learning, you know, learner centered learning, whatever that looks like, tall, small, all of that in there, remembering that, that as individuals, we, we get to feel the way that we feel and we should honor that and, and help grow that. Yeah. And Brie, I know that we talked about how we have, um, first of all, if y'all don't know this, and this is your first, um, by the way, I am not in Texas. I just said y'all because I like to say it. I'm like, I'm the Orange County, California people, and Brie is in Texas. And so um, you'll, you'll hear me do that sometime. To, apologies. But at any rate, what I was getting ready to say is, um, if you don't know the show already, we are fully unscripted. We do virtually no prep and, and Brie and I just get on and talk. And so we thank you for that. But one thing we did actually talk about ahead of time, again, unusual, <laughs> is that we want to, in our social media outreach today, um, wherever you're listening or watching this, we really do know that the work needs to continue. And we want to know if there's anyone out there, if you would recommend someone or if you're the person who can really help us kind of get a better understanding, a deeper understanding of culturally responsive teaching and learning. And so I'm going to put that out there. Brie, what do you think? I think we talked about that. That's a good idea, right? Absolutely. I think, um, and, and I would expand that, you know, culturally responsive learning, social emotional learning, what, how are you helping address that, that individual so that we're not just saying kid and making, you know, one um, one, one version of that be representative for, for the entire lot. Right. And I think that that is, is so important. Um, we say that all the time. We say that we're after personalized learning. We say that we're all about the individual and yet we are very, um, quick to, to generalize instead. And so, you know, who, who out there, what are you doing? What does it look like? 
even if you're not speaking for the whole, right? Like what is a tip that you found or is there a book that you're sharing to, um, to represent certain ideas and, and help people feel um, seen in, in those ways? And, and like I said, it's seeing doesn't necessarily mean um, it's not limited to what you look like on the outside. It can be um, seeing a, a student who has different, um, different abilities and different gifts. And so, you know, how, what about those those books that are allowing, um, you know, perspectives into what that looks like for, for kids who have, um, who have different abilities and, and, and challenges in those ways. Um, I think all of it, you know, so share with us who, who you know, what you know, and, and how we can all be better because it's going to take all of us. It's nobody's got it all figured out. And, and I certainly can't do it for, you know, for, for all of my, um, my students either in the classroom, I couldn't do that um, because they're all individuals. And so we want to hear, you know, how we can pull all these different tricks into our, into our book and, and help people see what they need to see. All right, friends. Well, we're excited to continue the conversation. As always, we appreciate you listening. So thank you so much. And until next time. All right. See you guys out there on social media.